the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. See, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Brendan Glasheen, joined by Brandon Anderson. We come to you for the Week 16 NFL recap. One day later than usual, folks, with Christmas yesterday. We put off our episode to the 26th. So if you're tuning in on a Tuesday morning, that is why. So you did not miss us. We come to you a day late, recapping Week 16. All 16 matchups for us to break down. And like I mentioned, coming to you later in the week with the holidays. Happy holidays to you and yours. It's just after uh, midnight or close to midnight here on the East Coast. So we all just took in that wonderful football game. The Indianapolis Colts and Los Angeles Chargers. Indy, not great. Nick Foles, not pretty. Three picks. The Colts are inept. Chargers are going to the playoffs thanks to that victory today. 20-3. to They cover the spread wherever you got the line at three and a half. Four, four and a half. A lot of folks at action were on the Colts tonight. Uh, so sad night for us, but Chargers are in the playoffs. Brandon, you want to give a quick 30-second recap on this, whatever we watched there? Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it. It's got to wonder how many quarterbacks are the Colts going to send into retirement at this point? I mean, we're on Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz. I'm going to count Frank Reich, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles. Nick Foles looked like he came out of retirement, <laughs> and then they played a game. They're going to send him right back to retirement. Look, I was one of the action people on the Colts tonight, and it was pretty clear pretty quickly that that was probably not going to go well for me. So we had a very Thursday night, Monday night game. We had a three interceptions and nine play sequence. Honestly, I don't, I don't feel super impressed with the Chargers. They clinched the playoffs, but kind of the usual from them, the garbage on early downs, and Herbert bailed them out with some third down plays. But the Colts just were napped. I think Foles was sacked seven or eight times. Indy's season is done, and uh, I don't know what quarterback they're going to put in next or where they go from here, but uh, yeah, didn't really move the needle a lot. Chargers were pretty high percentage to make the playoffs. Didn't really hurt anyone else's chances too much because of that, and uh, you know, takeaway for me was, won my fancy matchup, got into my championship. Brandon, you did the same, so hopefully if you were playing fancy at home, hopefully not too much in this game, or if you did, maybe Austin Eckler and not much else. Three straight wins for the Chargers. They get the Rams next, a battle of L.A. That one will take place on New Year's Day. Much of the action next week on New Year's Day being Sunday. Some big games from the weekend. Philadelphia and Dallas was a game that jumped out to many because of the line movement throughout the week. These teams played on Saturday, right? Saturday, Christmas Eve. Yes, they were Christmas Eve in the afternoon. The Saturday-Sunday thing is totally throwing me off. But yes, they were on Saturday in the afternoon. Dallas 40 to 34 winners. They covered three and a half, uh, three and a half, four and a half, five, five and a half. If you got them at six, it's a push. That's a bummer. Um, but they covered most that were out there throughout the week with the Jalen Hurts news being ruled out. Nick Sirianni was outspoken about holding him out for, for a week. Then there was like a chance maybe he'd play because Minshew went to the funeral for Mike Leach, RAP coach Leach. So it turns out it was Minshew. He looked pretty good doing it. 10 nothing lead early for Philly. 
and then Dallas mustered a comeback. They are in the playoffs. What'd you take away from this one? Yeah, Philly had their chances here. You know, obviously they're a big underdog on the road in Dallas. They blew a 10-0 lead right off the bat. They got that Dak pick six, second week in a row for that. Up 20-17 at the half for Philly. Up 34-27 with 10 minutes left. Probably not going to matter. Probably because the Eagles win one more game, they clinch the one seed. Or Dallas loses a game, they clinch the division. The Eagles probably are fine, but you never know with football. You never know when you might rue one of those lost leads that you gave away. I think, though, the takeaway from the game itself, the Cowboys face the backup quarterback, the ostensible MVP candidate not playing. The Eagles turned it over five times, Mm -hmm. and the Cowboys barely got over the line at home. That's not a great sign for the Cowboys. So they got the win. They stay alive here. We had some awful clock management down the stretch by both teams. That was very frustrating to watch. Yeah, I thought Minshew was good. Minshew played really well. Um, I, I sort of feel like that that made the, the whole Jalen Hurts MVP thing look a little silly when you can bring in your backup and he just steps right into the fray without any problems. Dak, those interceptions now. I think Jill's mentioned that uh, Dak's had an interception now every single game, two straight with the pick six. I posted on Twitter today. If you do plays with no turnovers, Dak by EPA per play is basically Patrick Mahomes. Like they are 1A and 1B on the season, but turnovers count. You don't just get to take those plays out. So that tells me Dak is putting up the big plays. The Cowboys are moving the ball. I mean, like I think we had one punt in this game, 40 to 34. So got a lot of action in this one, but you got to get rid of those mistakes. If you can, can you cut mistakes out for a month? Dallas might still make a run, but I don't know. I think Philly has to feel pretty good. The the one other thing, Lane Johnson, the stud lineman for Philadelphia, mm. is out. Looks like he'll be out till at least the postseason. It's a little, little bit worrisome. Jalen Hurts injured. Lane Johnson injured. It doesn't look long-term, but, man, this is not the time of the year that the team at the one seed wants to be picking up these big injuries. Yeah, for Dallas, too, concerns about their their defense because that's how they were winning a lot of games early in the year. You let So it's one in one breath, you're looking at Philly like, well, hey, they can just insert another quarterback, and that insults all of Philadelphia, by the way, if you say, well, you know, our quarterback <laughs> is really good. He's an MVP. Take him out. Minshew, it's a well-oiled machine. Still looks pretty much the same, but Dallas, it almost feels like they better get the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs because if they're on the road, potentially cooler weather, or inclement weather, how does that change things? How about their defense? Yeah, the defense is struggling lately, especially the past defense. Uh, Micah Parsons, I think, had 12 sacks through 11 games, now only won the last four games. He was an odds-on favor for Defensive Player of the Year. Nick uh, Bosa now has passed him and is now clearly the odds-on favorite there. So the defense is slipping back. Brennan, you and I on Green Dot Daily talked about the Cowboys and Eagles as the class of the NFC. Right now, I think it'd be hard to argue that that's just not the 49ers. The 49ers are ahead of both of these teams right now, adding in the Eagles' injuries, and the Cowboys seem to really slip back. The one good thing for the Cowboys here is you want to still win. You want to get the one seed or win the division if you can, but you said the Vikings. With respect to the Vikings, the even better path is the NFC 5 seed, you get to play whoever comes out of the NFC South. And that's basically where it looks like Dallas is headed. They're pretty well locked into the five seed Dallas versus Tampa or whoever that is, is the most likely 
first round playoff matchup across the NFL right now. So I think I think the reaction to this game or overall will be, all right, Dallas, we're out on them. We're, we're done with Dallas. That didn't happen. The defense is bad. Dak is throwing interceptions. I don't go there. I think Dallas is still in the mix. They're going to have a good matchup and a solid path. I want to get that Dallas-Philly third game. We got one with no Dak. That was the first one. Yep. We got one with no Hurts now. Give us the real matchup. And I don't know. Respect to Brock Purdy, who hasn't lost yet. But I still think if we get that healthy Dallas-Philly third matchup, I, I think that's the NFC Kingmaker still. That was the game of the day on Saturday. And then Sunday, Christmas Day, is most sensed. That first game between Green Bay and Miami was the game to watch. Thinking back now a month or so, three weeks even, I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, even if it's not Aaron Rodgers and it's Jordan Love, I'm I'm compelled to watch because if Jordan Love outperforms Tua, then maybe the Packers, not only does it create conversations in Miami, but, oh, okay, maybe the Packers have more clarity in their quarterback room. Perhaps they'd be more willing to make a move, to move off of Rodgers, move off of Love, someone gets silly, more draft capital, et cetera, et cetera. Packers have found themselves back into this thing. They are back in the hunt at seven and eight. They have a chance to make the playoffs in the NFC. They're one of those many teams that are in the hunt, lurking in the playoff picture. They win and beat Miami 26 to 20. They cover getting the three and a half, four points, whatever you got to that. I know you played them on the money line, so that makes you happy that the Packers handled their stuff. I, I know we should be thrilled, but it felt... The, the angle here, Brandon, is Miami gave the game away. Their yep. final three possessions, all interceptions. They get shut out in the second half. Oh, and, and by the way, the guy who did all that, he's hurt. He's back in concussion protocol. Tua Tungavailoa back in concussion protocol. NFL Network is reporting his status is in doubt for the game in New England next week. Yeah, the concussion report that came out Monday afternoon. I'm literally mid-re-watching this game. I kind of, you know, did the half-watch thing with family on Christmas. Keep an eye on my bets. I think DeBundo had this one on our best bets episode. We, did. we had a lot of our guys on Colts tonight at action. Well, I think Packers was the other one a lot of us were on. So we kind of evened out there. Glad to get the Packers win. But yeah, that Tua news kind of twists the whole narrative of what happened here because the supposed hit that, you know, that they're showing, I don't know if it was Schefter who reported that the possible hit was like right before the half, about two minutes before. So I, I noticed a clear pivot point as I was watching Back and forth early, another long touchdown to Waddle, second straight week for that, a long near touchdown to Tyree Kill, down to the one and a touchdown. It's 17-10. The Packers have the ball in their own 20 and do a fake fake punt and get stuffed. So Miami basically has a chance now to go up 24-10, really take control. There's a play right then. We're about four minutes till the half. Tua gets strip-sacked on a fumble. They recover it, but your touchdown is gone. You settle for the field goal. And from then forward, the next drive they got is when he took the hit that supposedly the concussion possibly came or concussion symptoms. But that moment, that mistake that Tua made getting the strip sack, everything went wrong after that for Miami. And it's interesting how so close it was like three Miami plays away from the hit that he took. Because, yeah, as you said, from there, the next possession, they fumble the ball right before the half. The Packers get a field goal out of it. Packers score out of the half. So we're tied. And then here's the rest of Miami's possession, second half. They missed a field goal. And then, yeah, interception, Packers field goal, interception, Packers field goal, interception, game over. Three interceptions in 12 Miami plays at that point. The timing looked off. 
it was like, oh, here we go. It's the same Miami we've been seeing the last three weeks now. Now you see the reports today and it's like, well, is it that? Or, or are we seeing double or are we, are we throwing the shadows? It's, it's really, it's hard to say. And like, I mean, what is this, like the fourth time that we've had this kind of conversation a different week with him, which is honestly is a little scary just as, as a human standpoint yes. for a football yep. player. Um, from a football standpoint, the last four weeks, we had that Dolphins game against the Niners when they got totally shut down. Since then, you know, we talked about it. Was that the blueprint? Did we solve Miami? The 12 weeks before that, Tua led the league in EPA per play among quarterbacks. He was so far ahead. He's ahead of Mahomes. He was so far ahead that Jalen Hurts is sixth. Tua was double. He was twice as good as possible MVP Jalen Hurts for 12 weeks. In the four weeks since then, starting with that Niners game, out of 25 quarterbacks with at least 100 passes, dead last in, in, in the NFL. Dead last for Tua in EPA per play. Literally from first to worst. I don't know what's happening with that. Two fumbles, three interceptions, the weird concussion thing that just keeps hanging around. I'm worried. I'm very worried about this team. They're way over-reliant on those long plays, which they're tending to get like two per game, but it's it's not enough. And really, too, if you look at the profile over these four weeks, the offense is bad. Like they're like 25th by DVOA in the NFL. The defense has been good. So it's kind of offset, and we haven't totally knows just how bad the offense has gone, but I don't know, man. Miami plays the Patriots and the Jets still. Those are good defenses, smart, talented defenses. Miami is not moving the ball right now and might not have Tua, depending on how things go. If they lose both of those games, they're out. There's no back door for Miami. They got to win at least one. Win either game, they get to 88%, and they're fine. And you rest Tua, you get healthy. I don't think they're there yet. I am worried about this team. I believe they have lost four in a row now. Yep. They're in some trouble. Yep. And uh, the line flipped on this game, too. If you were looking to get ahead on this, the Patriots were one and a half point home underdogs. The line has flipped. And on FanDuel now, the Patriots are favored by a point and a half. I saw some two and a halves out there tonight, too. So the line has moved a score. It's moved a field goal, four points based on this news. So. It, it it could be very well could be Teddy Bridgewater in at quarterback this week in New England. It could. And and the for me, the the play I made already, you may have seen in the app. I took the under on this one. I took it at 43. I believe there's still 42 and a half out there. I don't really I don't believe in the Patriots right now either. That offense is rough. Hmm. But if you have a faltering Miami offense that's not as good as we think it is. And then you got a better Miami defense than we think and a better Patriots defense. Well, we know the Patriots defense is good and sorry, we know the offense is not very good. So I think the under is probably the way to go. I don't really know what to make of the game itself. I just think that there's not going to be a ton of points on that one, but it's a really big one for a playoff picture. We'll just have to see how it plays out. We'll discuss that now. Patriots Bengals was on Christmas Eve on Saturday. Bengals won 22-18, so they cover again. The Bengals have been a covering machine dating back to the end of last year. They cover the minus three, three and a half. If you took the Pats, which I I think a lot of folks thought the Pats were the right side, the sharp side, and did not look like that early, Brandon. 22 to nothing, that atmosphere in Foxborough. I'm just watching the game. I look at my family. You couldn't pay me enough to go to this game. You You couldn't pay me enough to go to Foxborough, freeze my ass off, 
on Christmas Eve, last minute shopping, the weather itself being so cold, and this team, the way that looked last week, and then to be down the way they got down in this game, down 22-0, then they muster some comeback. The fact they have three defensive touchdowns the last three weeks and they're one and two is insane. Like most teams, when you watch red zone or watch your team, when you're getting defensive scores, it means it usually means it's your day. Like you're having your way and your day. And the other team is in come from behind mode because they've got to throw it or they make a contested throw. Nope. Just uh, they've benefited from the other team making some mistakes. Derek Carr, Joe Burrow threw some contested balls here. The Patriots, though, like you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Miami's got to win next week against New England. Same for the Patriots. They, If the Patriots win their last two, which not easy, home Miami at Buffalo, they're in. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They're in if they win their next two. They could still get in, I think. Oh, oh, actually, that might be out the door now because of the Chargers win tonight. But anyway, they've got to win this. They've got to win out. Are you concerned about Cincinnati? Oh, you've already kind of said everything I need to know about New England. Their offense sucks. Yeah, I mean, for New England first, they're now 0-5 against teams that are above 500 on the season. And if you look at the quarterbacks, that's what's really stark for this team. We talk about how good the defense is. The wins, seven wins, have come against Trubisky, Goff, who's been playing well lately. Let's give him some credit. Yep. Reset, Zach Wilson twice, Sam Ellinger, and Colt McCoy. Oh the losses, Tua, Lamar, Rogers, Fields, Cousins, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow. So if the opposing team has an NFL quarterback, it's not going well. And if they've got Zach Wilson or Colt McCoy or Mitch Trubisky, I mean, literally we got, if we count Zach Wilson as a backup at this point, we literally have, that's a whole list of backups. Brissett is a backup playing as a starter for part of the year. Is Wilson's a backup now. Trubisky is a backup. Only Jared Goff is the only literal NFL starter. And he's one that nobody wanted. <laughs> he's playing well, but right. no one wanted him. So that's not great, especially when you consider, well, I don't know. Now they might get to play backup next week. They get to play Teddy or or possibly Skylar Thompson. Unbelievable. The so breaks you never know. Yeah. They're, they're probably not going to play it backup in week 18, though. At Buffalo, it's very unlikely that the Bills would not have a reason to play at that point. They're almost certainly going to be playing for some positioning still, probably for the one seed. So, yeah, I don't feel great about the, the Patriots. I would love a chance to fade the Patriots if it wasn't for the fact that I'd be loving a chance to fade the Dolphins too, because this, this comeback quote unquote, not really a comeback to me. I mean, we had, no. we had a Jacoby Myers hail Mary that like, uh, I don't know if that was, did was that was on purpose? Was that like a, did he tip it back or was it I, an accident? I'm not sure who I don't know. 88 Washington is never heard of him until that play. <laughs> it looked sort of intentional, but it did. You know? It looked like it was like designed that way. But remember last week, we can't run a Hail Mary. We can't do it. So we got to run the lateral play instead. Sorry to bring that up. Ramonde Stevenson, I, I don't know there. this dude's going to play another down because last week he did the lateral starter thing. This week, it's first down, no Bengals timeouts, under a minute, Patriots down four on the five-yard line. Just run it in a couple times. You get the win. You're basically in the playoffs at that point. And then Stevenson fumbles a little shady. Like this is like about six seconds after he stopped and they still decide allowed to keep going. Yeah, no forward progress was awarded. Nope. No, no, they just make that up as they go. Takeaway for the Bengals here. Oh, by the way, if you had the over on this game, horrendous beat on the over. It was 41 and a half. We finished at 40. 
So you missed that touchdown at the end. I would have done it. Cincinnati missed a field goal, and we had three missed extra points in this game. So sorry about that. Well, a lot of missed extra points this weekend with a lot of bad Christmas weather. Here's my takeaway for the Bengals. Got the win. Burrow was awesome. Put up a monster line, just throwing all over the field. Here's the problem. Cincinnati would be a team that I would be looking at like as here's my Super Bowl pick right now. I love this team. They're playing great. They're passing. The defense is good. Luana Rumo, the defense corner is great. However, Awuzie, the star corner, out for the season, has been out for about a month now. Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, the pass rushers, both are injured. And now in this one, Lyle Collins, probably their best offensive lineman, torn ACL, out for the season. These are not the stars. We still got Burrow and Chase and Higgins and all the fun players. These are the guys that win you football games. Your pass rushers, your star blocker, your star corner. We talked earlier with the Eagles. You want to be getting these injuries right now? I'm worried about Cincinnati. These are four big names that they're missing right now. And it is really bad timing for this. And it's a bummer because this team was playing some really good football. Tennessee Titans fall. They were favorites. They fall to the Houston Texans, 19-14. The spread was three. Didn't matter. Texans got there straight up. Titans are now seven and eight. So they joined the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Steelers at seven and eight. They're still plus 200. They're plus 200 to win the division in the AFC South. But the Jags got a pretty favorable schedule here down the stretch. Then again, the Texans have been feisty, and they just want to F everything up for everybody. So they're having fun doing that. You got a quick thought here on Tennessee and what this means? Yeah, what it means is week 17 literally is meaningless for Tennessee. It's now down to week 18 in Jacksonville. That's it. You win the game for the Titans. You could literally lose six in a row. They've lost five right now. They can lose Thursday night. It doesn't matter. It literally means nothing to the team. I think that makes this a bye week for Tennessee, especially on a short week. We'll come back to that in the hot read. Tennessee has just been besieged by injuries. Their defense, especially Tannehill is obviously injured. Malik Willis sucks so bad. He's so terrible. They can't pass to do anything. You lose to Houston. The takeaway is week 17 does not matter. We'll come back to that. Okay, very good. Vegas, Pittsburgh, congrats to the Steelers on getting that win. That cashes your in-season win total uh, over that you had. They cover the two and a half points. That was where the line closed. I'm pretty sure at two and a half. So if you're a Steelers better, you got there. Pittsburgh's still alive. What a surprise with Ra Ra Mike Tomlin. Yeah, somehow Pittsburgh stays alive. They're now six and two with TJ Watt this year. I believe they are four and one since we recommended that over. If I remember right, I think that we we cashed the the over here and we're still alive on possible that streak, the the, the 500 streak. Mike Tomlin never under 500. We're alive. We're yeah. still alive on the streak somehow. Did that Can't so that, that one that that bet that I brought up that cash last week? I believe so. Yeah, I think this oh, okay. was just so a bonus win. Yep, that's all right. So yeah, sloppy. I was game. in Vegas, you know, not thinking about that, yeah, thinking yeah. about Chandler Jones and yeah, yeah sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 it's, it, you've got other things on your mind there. I, I think the takeaway from this game is, look, we talked about a lot of bad weather. This was a, a cold, blustery Pittsburgh evening. And it looked like Derek Carr wanted no part of this game. Derek Carr looked like, get me back to Fresno State. Get me out of here. Like, he is sailing passes all night. Three interceptions. He's horrible. He was terrible. He's absolutely terrible. <laughs> he couldn't hit his guys. 
the Raiders were still in the playoff hunt. They technically have about a 1% chance now, but they're cooked. They're, they're playing San Fran and Kansas City left. That's done. Pittsburgh has a real chance now. They they play Baltimore and Cleveland. Those are winnable games. I believe the Steelers need Miami to lose out, which, hey, Tua's injured. We'll see what happens. And I think they need the Jets to lose in Seattle this week. Those are realistic outcomes. Pittsburgh, after being totally left for dead, is in this thing. Let's go to the NFC playoff picture, some games to recap. The Giants and the Vikings. The Vikings just continue to do things in these close games. It is it is really mind-blowing stuff what they're doing here in these one-score games. They outlast the Giants thanks to a 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph to win the game 27-24. The Giants did cover the spread. Giants were four-point uh, underdogs, three-and-a-half-point dogs, whatever you got. Giants got there. Uh, at the end, Vikings are in, as we know, and the Giants are still the sixth seed. Um, I think a big theme of this, I know we already talked about Green Bay, everything that had to go right, and they hammered this on the broadcast on Sunday. Everything yeah. that had to go right for Green Bay went right, and this was one of those results. Yeah, I mean, everything is, seems to be going right for the Vikings all year, too. What that could too. possibly go wrong for my team? Greg Joseph, 61-yard winner at the last play, longest field goal in Vikings history. Now the 11th one-score victory for this fraudulent Vikings team over the fraudulent Giants team. 11 one-score wins is the most in NFL history. Like, look, everything screams, this team is not very good, but they just keep pulling it out here. I had a little fun on this one as a better. I played the the bet where you can do Vikings to win by a 1-6 to six or Giants to win by a 1-6, to six, kind of both sides, like we did with the Steelers-Ravens a couple weeks ago. So we got that one there. Fourth quarter, really weird. Of course, how could it be anything else with these teams? We had a Giants interception, then a turnover and downs, then a field goal, 17-16. I think we had a block punt. Um, Justin Jefferson was great, by the way. Set a couple of Vikings records for the season here. Had the late touchdown. Had a big screen to set up the field goal winner. I think at this point, Jefferson has Offensive Player of the Year pretty well locked up. The odds reflect that at this point as well. So, yeah, Minnesota... I mean, I don't know. I Not as a fan. I can't do it as a fan. I am a nihilist. We Vikings fans assume the worst. But Minnesota plays Green Bay and Chicago. If they win those games, and if the Eagles, who remember, are missing lots of guys and maybe their quarterback, if the Eagles lose out and the Vikings win out, Minnesota is the one seed. And if you're the one seed, and if you get a bye week, and you are two games away from the Super Bowl, you can be fraudulent all you want. But if you're getting a couple of home games and have a chance to win these close ones, uh, we have to take them seriously at some point. Yeah, and they're plus 1,900 on FanDuel right now to win the Super Bowl, the Minnesota Vikings, behind the Eagles, behind the Niners, and behind the Cowboys as it pertains to teams in their conference. And speaking of those Niners, they win again. They've won eight in a row. Eight in a row. Brock Purdy at quarterback again, 37-20, your final. So the Niners cover the touchdown spread six and a half uh, was a number out there as well. Luke, Luke Swain, Vegas refund. He got that on the best bets episode. Niners are in, as we know, they were already in the commanders remain the seven seed despite the loss. But uh, this, this San Fran defense really took the game over in the second half. They did. And honestly, the offense did too. It, it, it yep. feels right now like San Fran is playing so well. It just feels like they could just name the score. Just, uh, we want to score a touchdown this drive. Great touchdown. Oh, another field goal. I uh, will settle for that. We'll just get another turnover on defense. Like 
it feels like they can do anything they want right now, which is absurd. Brock Purdy can't lose. Suddenly is like second or third in rookie of the year odds, having played like what three starts so far, which we've never seen a rookie of the year like that. I, I can't take that seriously as a better just because we've never right. seen yeah. any precedent for it. It's plus but, 700. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has skyrocketed and, and Kyle Shanahan, I believe are both now second for comeback player of the year and coach of the year. The Niners are, have a chance here to be this buzzsaw entering the playoffs on a 10 game winning streak. They're still alive for the one seed as well. Same scenario as the Vikings just talked about. They've seen the Vikings lost somewhere along the way. So Niners are a buzzsaw. Washington, my family got a little Christmas present. My guy Carson Wentz got to play some football on Christmas, Christmas Eve, I guess, but it wasn't bad. Tyler Heineke, two more turnovers. I don't know, do you think Wentz plays going forward, or what, what was that about? Great question. Uh, maybe just to get a spark <laughs> in the room. I, I, I'm not too sure. They're whole, Now they got Cleveland next, laying two and a half points. Um, Jahan Dotson's a pretty nice surprise for Washington. Now he's taking advantage of more uh, more snaps and relishing. But uh, yeah, it's a great question. I don't know. Heineke had that whole room believing. I'm not sure if Wentz brings that same belief. Yeah, I think he pretty much brings some belief in my house and no other houses left at this point. So <laughs> we'll see. Washington's got two home games. They went out and they ran, but it, it doesn't feel great for them. It feels like that Washington spot is the one that we have earmarked as if Detroit or if Green Bay or if Seattle, it's it's Washington. That's the spot that we're ifing to put them in. And I, I think it's probably going to head that way. Browns and Cowboys remaining those two home games for the Washington Commanders. And then the the Detroit Lions, as their coach said, Dan Campbell told uh, told the Carolina folks that was a good old ass kicking by the uh, by the Carolina Panthers underdogs heading in. This is a low total as well. Record low temperatures in Carolina for this game. Panthers won 37-23, so they cover as underdogs, one of six to do that. Underdogs to win outright, that is, in week 16. So Detroit's still alive. They're still alive for the seventh seed in the in the uh in the NFC. And then the Panthers, even with Tampa winning last night, the Panthers are still alive and they're gonna take on the Bucs this week. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. This was a butt weapon. This was the Panthers just just took the lines and and brought out a paddling on them because like I was on the lines on this game. Okay. Holy cow, did I get that one wrong? Like that Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard ran all over this first play of the game, I believe 30 yard run next play, 35 yard run. And that was basically just the whole rest of the game. Like they didn't really slow down from there. 43 rushes, 320 rushing yards and three scores over 200 by halftime, 570 yards. Honestly, Sam Darnold played pretty well over 11 yards per attempt. The Panthers put up 8.8 yards of play for the entire game. This was just a butt whooping on, on an Alliance team that had been red hot lately. Yep. So really two interesting teams at this point. I think a lot of fans neutrals are kind of rooting for the Lions because, you know, let's give them some once every three decades, put them in the playoffs and see what they can do. But the Panthers have kind of become that team too. So I think both of these teams are teams that a lot of folks will be rooting for down the stretch here. Panthers at Tampa Bay next week. Going to be interesting. I want to see where the money comes in on that one. As hot as Carolina looks, and man, Tampa could not be ice cold, any more ice cold at this point. But yeah, both of these teams, really fascinating and fun. But uh, the 
the the the bad news bears in me feels like we might end up with neither of them in the playoffs just because that's kind of how things go but they're in it they're right there they're right there and it'll be fun to watch them yeah, it was the I mean, the Lions too. Defensively, had really turned a corner. I think you know. I think we all knew they could score points, um, but they they had done pretty good. They did a good job defensively in games before that Bills game. But I thought the way they handled the Bills on Thanksgiving, they didn't get completely annihilated. It, they kept it close. I know they allowed twenty eight points. I realized that, but to a team like that, that's that's beyond good to hang in there. So they they were hanging in there against good teams, bad teams. Minnesota game too is another one. So. Um, all right, let's whip through these last couple here. I really don't have anything to offer you guys except for a frozen pizza. Buffalo, Chicago, Bills cover. Um, they win 35-13, cover the eight, eight and a half point spread. So the scenario here for the AFC one seed, and we'll, and we'll just kind of put these together. Seattle played Kansas City. Chiefs won 24 to 10. Chiefs cover minus 10. So the way I've got it all mapped out, you correct me if I'm wrong, if the Bills win this week, and Kansas City were to somehow lose to Denver, the Bills could answer your question from earlier. They could rest guys in week 18. I just don't see Kansas City losing to that outfit. Yeah, Kansas Denver. City losing at home to Denver on top <laughs> of that. So yeah. So Buffalo, Buffalo, it's it's our final Monday night game of the year. Well, I guess we had the playoff game, but Monday night, Buffalo in Cincinnati. Obviously, one that you will want to block off on your calendar and make sure you can make time for that one. Yeah, Bills win out both of their games. You're the one seed, or like you said, you win and get a Chiefs loss, then you're the one seed that way as well. This game was actually, I think, 10-6 at the half. Uh, the Bears, 10-6 at the half, were ahead. Yes. Wasn't close. Was not close at all. Kind of fluky bounces up until then. The Bills uh, nearly, actually they did, they doubled the Bears in yardage. So they ran away with this one. The Chiefs game actually looked like more of a comfortable win. And actually in that one, I, I thought the Chiefs were not really impressive. So it's good that the Chiefs are finding ways to win some of these games. But I don't know. The, Seattle kind of moved the ball a little bit and then just kind of kept making mistakes where they needed to. Seattle Island, definitely dead and gone. Six straight failed covers at this point. But Seattle, if they just win at home against the Jets this week, that's basically like, you know, in wrestling, we have the, well, what's it called? Like the loser goes home sort of match or whatever. That's Seattle, New York. Winner is not necessarily in, not even close. You got work to do. Loser is basically out. You're, you're pretty much down below 5%. Seattle and the Jets, both teams have been a lot of fun this season, but really trailing off lately. But if Seattle wins, they play the Rams in week 18, who are playing better, but you want the Rams compared to other choices. So I don't know. Seattle looked better than the score would indicate here. They just 2 of 14 on the third down three turnovers and downs, one of three in the red zone. Didn't happen. Chiefs are kind of coasting. I don't know if that's like they are just in third gear and we'll get there when it matters again, or if there are a little bit of kind of breadcrumbs of like, hey, you know, this is more like the sixth best team rather than the second best team. It's hard to tell right now. How about some other ones here before we wrap up? New Orleans and Cleveland. This was hyped up to be the coldest game, one of the coldest games in, really ever in league history, and the total reflected that. Total was at 31 and a half, 32 and a half, 32, and it was the lowest total since 2012. And, of course, the game went under. And the the – the New Orleans Saints, I know they've got they had in, they had injuries at wide receiver, but they just still don't seem to get like just give the ball to Kamara and get out of the way. Now they figured it out and they won the game 17-10 and they covered plus three. Cleveland lost again. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, the running game has not been great for the Saints lately. What, what by the metrics, it's actually the passing game and Andy Dalton that's moving the ball a little bit. But yeah, it, it was ugly. It was a very, very Taysom Hill game, as our producer David points out. Uh, we had several of our guys at Action Network had Taysom Hill plus 333 to hit the touchdown. I think Jill was on that one. I went for broke. I went for the two touchdown Taysom Hill, oh. 35 to one. Couldn't quite get there, but we had a chance. We were in the mix there. So, yeah, we had some fun with it. You know who's not having fun? Sean Watson. He's now played 16 quarters of football and scored 39 points of offense. I'll do the math for you. That's basically two points a quarter after four games for our guy, Deshaun Watson. The Browns have gotten much worse with him. The Saints are still alive. They win out and the Bucs lose out and the Saints are in the playoffs. And I'll tell you this. I think the Saints are the best team in that division right now. I don't think they're going to get in. But I, I think if I were the Cowboys scouting who I'm going to probably play in that 4-5 matchup, I think the Saints are the team I do not want in that game. Hmm. Hmm. Andy Dalton, former Cowboy. Jason Hill. <laughs> That's yeah. the, I mean, it's, it's a wild card. The Saints, you just, you don't know. And the Cowboys, you know, you don't want a team that's going to have Taysom and Kamara just like running for 300 yards on you and you just can't do anything about it, especially because like, couldn't you just see the Cowboys of all teams, the Cowboys just getting just run over by a tight end, third string quarterback. And that's how the season ends. Like, doesn't that just feel like a Cowboys narrative that we'd spend six months talking about? <laughs> it just seems like it's right there. I, I no matter who they play and no matter what it looks like, I could just see I could I can already see it because it's typically what we're used to. Just the <laughs> the Dak Prescott running up to the line after a, a draw is that's still stuck in my head, which is why folks keep thinking if it's Tampa in the first round, I don't know if you feel great about that if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Atlanta and Baltimore Ravens are in the AFC playoffs. They win seventeen nine. They cover six and a half. Anything to add here? Easy under. I had the under on this one. The Ravens, I believe now four straight have been 30 points or less combined in their games. So you want to take the under. I took the Ravens under against the Steelers for this coming week. I took that on the look ahead at 42. It's 36. They dropped the total by six points, which to be fair, I think reflects that I'm not sure Lamar Jackson's back this week yet either. Tyler Huntley, not really putting up a lot of points for this team. Hey, Tyler Huntley's a pro bowler. Did you not hear? He's oh the, my uh, gosh, are you serious? He's pretty cool. He's, he's an alternate. He's the alternate yeah. AFC. Uh, yes, which which to me, I, being here over here in New England, it's like a, a huge indictment. Mac <laughs> Jones, like Tyler Huntley is, is over you. Zach Wilson, also, I'll shout out the Jets fans. Tyler Huntley is a pro bowler, not you. Tampa Bay, Arizona wrapped up the, the evening. We still have one more game to get to after that because we had to save it for last. But Tampa, Arizona, Bucks win close, wasn't pretty offensively. And then, you know, Tampa was down 16-6 in the fourth quarter, and they somehow just put it together. But, you know, you just eyeball test. It don't look right. Todd Bowles, halftime interview, miserable SOB. Looks miserable and, like, confused. Cliff Kingsbury, thankfully for him, He's got his play sheet out so he can just keep looking like he's like that kid in class who wants to look like he's paying attention to the teacher or like he's pretending to do his reading when everyone has that separate time to do their reading. And he's just doing this like, 
I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so bad, man. Like I just, I, I love the cutaways to the coaches in that game. Cause it was, it was funny. It was funny. That's, I laughed. When, when you, when the, when the teacher is looking to call on someone and you're just yeah. like, just don't make eye contact, just don't make eye contact. That's Cliff Kingsbury. I think we probably got two games of Cliff fun left uh, for a while here in the NFL. Buccaneers since week two. Oh, okay. Here, here's the season for them. Buccaneers, the last time they beat a team that has a winning record right now was Dallas, week one. And that was with injured Dak Prescott. Three of their last four wins, they trailed by double digits in the fourth quarter. And those, I think, were against the Rams, the Saints, and the Cardinals, who you may recall are all terrible, and they trailed by double digits and had to come back. Here's my take for you. Ready for this? This is like a steaming hot take. Tom Brady and these Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, I figured out. I figured out who they remind me of. Tom Brady is Tim Tebow. That's it. Tom Brady is Tim Tebow, and that's the stage that we're at. And we're getting these garbage, late, weird comebacks that don't make any sense. The teams are terrible. They're just coming up with weird plays, and it's going to end really badly by a lot at some point. I am kind of offended by that take on Tom Brady. I'm not going to lie. Tim Tebow? Good God. It's not... It's bad, but is it that bad? I think I, I still think he's got the right stuff going on upstairs, and the ball did not come out great at times last night. But when in the gotta have it moments, I still think he's got a clue. He just can't do it all by himself. And I'm really talking about coaching in that regard, not the the skill positions. Um, anyway, let's wrap. You're, with- you're welcome to be offended. I, I just saved that take for deep down in the rundown here. Thanks for our loyal listeners hearing the terrible Tim Tebow take. It's almost fitting that we recorded a day later than usual. So we're here on a Monday. It's after Monday night football. And of course we get the news this morning, afternoon, whatever time zone you're in the Denver Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett. He lasted 15 games year one in his contract head coach of the Broncos. No longer. They lost on Christmas day, 51 to 14. It was 31 to six at halftime. Russell Wilson was awful. You've got Rippon and Wilson and offensive linemen jarring at each other. There's a clip of Cortland Sutton waving his arms, but it's not because he wanted the ball thrown to him. He wanted Russ to, to run and run for the first down. Just they are so out of sorts. And I don't have it in front of me. So I, I apologize for this. They also, they, they fired their special teams coordinator today. I think their tight ends coach got let go as well. Offensive line coach, Butch Barry. He's gone. Um, yeah, what a freaking disaster. Like, yeah, by the hey, way, cool, cool, there was points. That made it more fun, I suppose. And Baker Mayfield, that's a good little story here. The overhits, the, the tickets, all the tickets were on the under in this game. But, yeah, go go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, yeah, Denver unders are kaput. You can get rid of the Denver unders trend. We're three in a row on the over now. By the way, some more coaching notes. I, I think I'm saying this right. Ejiro Evero has, is their defensive coordinator who obviously – has done a great job coaching up that defense all year. He turned down the interim job. <laughs> I don't know what exactly a job has to There's 32 coaching jobs in the world. And this dude who's never been a head coach in the NFL is like, pass. I'm good. No, thank you. I don't need this on the resume. Thank you very much. The guy who they gave the coaching job to literally wasn't on the team at the start of the year. Y'all remember Nathaniel Hackett with all the terrible clock management and bad timeouts. They had to bring in the guy to come in and help with that. He's the coach now. This is where we're at with this franchise. It's a disaster. Is the game so bad? We had to air it on Nickelodeon. 
Is it game so bad that we had to send Jill to Boxing Day celebration just so he didn't have to be here to talk about this game? This is our Christmas present to him. 67-year-old head coach for the Broncos, 15 games into Nathaniel Hackett's coaching career with them. Honestly, like at least seven or eight too many. This was this has been over for a long time. The game I can't get out of my head because tonight, remember, we're just after the Colts game. Remember that Thursday night game, Colts Broncos, I believe it was 12 to nine and we couldn't get anyone to do anything. And it felt like a tie if there ever was one. That was like maybe week four or five. That was both of these teams. Like we could have just, just simulated that game across all the rest of Colts and Broncos games and missed nothing the rest of the season. These teams get them out of here. And I'm happy for Jill because he cashed on his Tyler Higby anytime touchdown. So it all worked out fantastically <laughs> for Jill. He got a touchdown score right in the game. There's no more Nathaniel Hackett. The, the, the Denver outfit is bad. I guess the only negative is what you said. If you wanted to bet a Denver under and you bet the under in the game, that did not go your way because there were 65 points, 51 from the Rams. Wow. And, you know, good for Baker. This this little stretch here maybe makes the Rams feisty. Guys will care, right? If he's got guys, just something to keep in mind if you're betting against the Rams. They're bad. Their record's bad. But they're, they might be one of those bad teams that do give a crap here down the stretch. Yeah, and, and don't forget, they don't have their first-round pick or any of their picks, really. They've yeah. traded them all away, so they don't really have any reason to tank. They're going to keep on trying. Baker is playing for his career at this point. So yeah, they're they're one of those teams that looked like a freebie a couple of weeks ago that now like the Seahawks play them in week 18, look like an easy one. Not so fast now. Baker and these guys, I don't know. I think Denver, they just look like quitting that one. Like you said, the body language and all that, just horrendous. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, the Rams, you know, I think Baker is a guy that you want to root for. Former number one pick. He's getting a, a third chance this season. Sure, go play some ball, Baker. Merry Christmas to you. And they're getting six and a half points against the other team in L.A., the L.A. Chargers, who just, as we saw, we just saw them play tonight. They covered and beat the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, so uh, for the entirety of week 16, eight and eight, eight wins for the underdogs, eight wins for the favorites, six dogs, one outright. Best bets episode. Brandon, what the hell? We need you back next week, I guess. Uh, Three and seven (laughs) week for the crew. Well, there was some crossover too in that Green Bay Miami game, but yeah, we got the uh, we definitely got Green Bay. Uh, Anthony Debundo got Green Bay for us, and uh, the Niners pick was definitely another one. I don't have the other pick off the top of my head, so we'll bounce back. We've had a good year overall: seventy-five, sixty-six, and four record for the season. As a reminder, the Action Network podcast NFL Best Bets episode airs every uh, Thursday night, Friday morning. And you can also catch the uh, you can catch the picks in the app, Action Network NFL picks. Okay, before we jump into the hot read, we've got to hear some more stats and trends from the engine behind our Action Labs database, Evan Abrams. Let's check it out. What Action Network Director of Research has for us this time, Evan? Take it away. Thanks, guys. Hope everyone had a great Christmas weekend. I had Cam Makers in fantasy, so the eggnog hit a little bit better. Uh, looking back at the slate, I'm not sure how we don't start off with Brady after Sunday night. So the Bucks win, but the Bucks don't cover. That's now been under five times already this season. Brady hasn't won and covered a game on U.S. soil, fun nod to the overseas game, since week two against the Saints. That week they started Jameis Winston, so it's literally been forever. Looking at a few notes in that spot, 
Brady is 2-16 against the spread in his last 18 starts at night. And this season, Bucks team totals 13-2 to the under. Just unreal. And if you look at the Bucks as a whole this whole season, 3-11-1 against the spread. That is the worst ATS start to a season in Brady's career. And over the last 20 years, only Mark Bolger at 2-10 against the spread in 2007 was less profitable of any quarterback any season than Brady is right now. What a crazy weather weekend in the NFL. With all the cold and the wind, I hope everyone cashed some tickets. Outdoor games with 10 plus mile an hour winds, and there were 10 of them this weekend, went eight and two to the under. Since week six, outdoor games with 10 plus mile an hour winds are 32 and 12 to the under, 73%. And now that's going under by a field goal per game too. As of now, Cowboys, Titans, and Bills Bengals are two candidates to fall into this trend for week 17. Some horrible breaking news entering week 17 for anyone that's been fading the Broncos this season. Nathaniel Hackett has parted ways with Denver. Just some unreal facts around Hackett. The Broncos offense ranked last this season in scoring. In the 63 year history of the Broncos franchise, they've never finished last in scoring. 11 of Denver's last 15 games have gone under the total this season, tied for the most profitable team to the under this year. They are the least profitable team on the money line, losing $100 better this year, $798. On the other side, here we go again with the Chiefs. They're gonna be about 13 or 14 point favorites at home against the Broncos. Patrick Mahomes is just two and nine against the spread this season after a straight up win and 16-24 and 24 against the spread after a straight-up win since 2020. Not to mention, double-digit favorites, 8-15 and 15 against the spread this season. The worst start for double-digit favorites in the last 20 years. So this is both a recap and a look-ahead, because it's absolutely unreal what the Bengals are doing, and now they have the Bills on Monday Night Football. So the Bengals are 20-3 and three against the spread in their last 23 games. Joe Burrow himself... 19 and three in his last 22 starts. The last time the Bengals won and covered seven straight, which they have right now, all the way back in 1970. The Dolphins and Patriots matchup probably needs to be set up like this. The Dolphins enter on a four game losing streak after winning five straight. But now they're favored in New England by about a point, point and a half. If they close as favorites, Miami would be favored in New England for the first time since December 29, 2002. Their quarterback and offense that day, Jay Fiedler, Ricky Williams, and Chris Chambers. Okay, Evan, thank you. Great stuff as always. You'll hear more of Evan's stats and trends on our Best Bets episode later this week. You can also find more on actionnetwork.com. All right, Brandon, we're a day late, so we got to jump into the hot read. You had some look-ahead stuff you mentioned already. Uh, I should say one of our look-ahead spots, and this goes against your Vikings, DeBundo gave out the Packers minus two and a half at home against Minnesota. The Lions moved to three, and at FanDuel, that three, that minus three for Green Bay is slightly juiced. What are You have You have two hot reads for us. What do you have? Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice right! Ice cream! Jose! Luda Raiders! I'm going to jump in on that Packers Vikings because I am with the bundle on this one. I'm going to grab that Packers 
at the minus three, I'll take the juice. I want the three. You, you don't want to wait till it gets the three and a half. It's clearly moving in that direction. The Packers are just better. The Vikings, they look at the last six weeks by DVOA. The Vikings are 25th in DVOA the last six weeks. And honestly, that's not even really far from the season. Bottom 10 offense and defense. Packers are ninth in DVOA during that stretch. We talked about the matchup with them. Packers run defense is bad. The Vikings are 30th running the football the last six weeks. Packers special teams has been bad, but better lately. The Vikings special teams even worse. So it's a matchup thing. The Vikings have had only six games a season against a team that is currently in the top 12 by DVOA. They got the miracle win over the Bills. They beat the Dolphins, but Skylar Thompson Dolphins. And they beat these Packers back in week one, which we kind of learned after that, hey, this team didn't play in the preseason. You might recall Christian Watson dropped the first pass of the season, a bomb touchdown, very different sort of player now, not the same Packers team. The other games, they got blown out by Dallas. They got blown out by Philly. They lost by double digits to the Lions. When they play a team that's pretty good, that has not looked good for the Vikings. And it's possible the one seed can be clinched before this game kicks off. It's a Sunday afternoon game. If the Eagles win before that, the Vikings don't have a lot to play for. The Packers do. The Packers have to keep the season alive. So I think that's another good reason motivationally. And then all Aaron Rodgers trends, division favorite 64%, home favorite 65%. And it's in Green Bay. You're not going to get some cold Lambo weather. 45 degrees or below. Rodgers is 63% against the spread. I don't have the Kirk Cousins number, but I can tell you what, it's it's not that. It's, it's not good. So I'll take the three. I had to wear my Vikings jersey to cancel out my my pick against the Vikings, but Packers are clearly the better side. Um, the, you said DeBundo is on the Packers as well? Yes, Packers minus two and a half. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I looked at this one before. If the Packers had lost that Christmas game, which I was confident, I love the Packers there, but if they lost, the season's over. So sometimes you wait, you get a little more certainty here. Now we know the game matters. We lost the half point. I don't think it's going to matter too much. The other one here, if you want to go early in the week, Thursday night, I kind of teased this one earlier, Dallas at Tennessee. I still see a few Dallas minus nine and a halfs out there trickling towards 10 and up. I think this line's going to get towards 13 or 14 by the time we kick off. And here's why. The Titans, this is a preseason game for them. This is an absolute nothing burger. It literally doesn't matter. It does not matter what happens here. The defense for the Tennessee Titans has cratered over the last six weeks. They're 31st in passing defense. And it's not because Mike Vrabel forgot how to coach. They don't have anyone left. Everybody is hurt. Nobody arguably needs this week off more than Tennessee. On a short week, they're definitely resting dudes. I think in the next day or two, we're going to get like the mass announcement of like, here's the injury list, 13 guys out, you know, like we already know a few of them out. I think we're going to get more and that number is going to go up. Malik Willis, not good. Tennessee's defense is beatable the way it is right now. And the Cowboys defense, we talked about them faltering. It's mostly the passing D. Well, you got to have a quarterback to pass on a beatable passing defense. And Malik Willis is not going to be that. So I like the Cowboys here. Big Thursday night favorites typically do well. So I'm going to grab the nine and a half. You can get it or the 10 if you need to. Uh, we talked about teaser protection before. I think this line gets to 13 or 13 and a half because that way you can't tease it down below the touchdown. So I think that's where this line moves. If you want the Thursday Cowboys, take it now. Interesting. Good. That's a good point. And uh, 
Yeah, of course, as we hit off the top and earlier in the podcast, there's importance here for Dallas because of the possibility still playing early in the week that you can set the tone for the weekend with the chance at getting a uh, a number one seed potentially, but they need a lot to go right here down the stretch. So two, two hot reads, Green Bay minus three, and then Dallas minus 10. You're okay with 10, right? 10, nine and a half, 10? Yeah, I'll take the 10. Get the nine and a half if you can find it, but we think this goes to 13 or longer. So if you want to grab it, it's now or never. Okay. Very good, folks. Don't forget that if you like basketball betting content at Action Network, we have you covered with buckets NBA coverage on buckets every single weekday. We also have big bets on campus for college hoops. Those guys come to you uh, every Wednesday during the college basketball season. If you're looking for hockey betting coverage at action network, we have the uh, line change pod, multiple episodes dropping each and every week. So be sure to join us there. All of our podcasts and more of the action network podcast available wherever you get your podcast, just hit the subscribe button also, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and review. It does go a long way. We greatly appreciate it. That'll do it for the Action Network podcast, the NFL Week 16 betting recap. This pod presented by FanDuel. Wednesday morning, you'll get Raybon and Sean Kerner, their player projections episode. Thursday morning, Raybon and Stucky, their NFL betting preview, which features the Sunday six-pack. Friday mornings, Brandon Anderson, Jill Gallant, Luke Swain, myself. We have the NFL Best Bets pod from the entire uh, Action Network family. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Good luck with your bets this week. For Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, we'll see you later. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.